Colin press this, function capability test. I've been thinking about hate recently. Not only because we've seen so much of it this past year, but because I've felt some as well. Truthfully it got to a point preceding the US election where it broke me a little. I thought I was clear about where those feelings came from. What beliefs were driving my anger. But now that the waters have calmed, I can't seem to shake this feeling that something else has been going on. Some deep-seated fear beneath the surface. So I thought I'd give the topic of hate a more thorough examination. In an attempt to understand its purpose. And from that understanding hopefully find in my heart to show it some compassion. So we can all learn how to make love to our hate. First let me get you in the mood with some foreplay in the form of gentle stroking questions. Dash. Foreplay. One thing that's touted around the blogosphere is the panacea to all of our problems is universal compassion. It got me thinking, and laughing, that maybe I should write a post entitled, why universal compassion must include Donald Trump. If I can get through that without reneging on the premise well, ladies and gentlemen, that would be something. Because honestly I can't wrap my head around the idea. Are some things not meant to be hated? The emotion exists for a reason right? The rational part of my brain figures it must have evolved to serve some kind of necessary function. At least in very rare circumstances. Let's, for example, Circle back several hundred years and place ourselves in a small rural English village with a plague-ridden wife and four malnourished children. Now imagine a horde of angry, horny, Vikings start pillaging the village by chopping your neighbor's head off, you hated him anyway. Do you, A, abandon your family by running away, B, resign yourself to death and hold your family one last time, C, try to negotiate a civilized peace treaty, by agreeing to share your neighbor's stuff, or, D, pick up your sword and fight? Now let's pretend your name is Uhtred, son of Uhtred, and as you pick up your sword. I must watch less television, what emotion do you think would serve you best in a battle to the death? Maybe I've inadvertently hit the G-spot here? When it comes to protecting yourself against someone, or something, who is attacking you, or those you love, perhaps hatred is meant to act as a last line of defense? Perhaps what drives our hate, at its deepest level, is a fear of death? At this point my wife would tell me to slow down as she's not quite there yet. Anyway let's get stuck into the main body, of this post, with some stuff I found on the internet. Intercourse. After doing a bit of research into the relationship between hatred and death, I stumbled upon something that got me very excited, that wasn't porn, called Terror Management Theory, or TMT. TMT posits, the inevitably of one's death creates existential terror and anxiety that is always residing below the surface. In order to manage this terror, Humans adopt cultural worldviews, like religions, political ideologies, and national identities, that act as a buffer by instilling life with meaning and value. TMT predicts that when people are reminded of their own mortality, which happens with fear-mongering, they will more strongly defend those who share their worldviews and national or ethnic identity, and act out more aggressively towards those who do not. Hundreds of studies have confirmed this hypothesis, and some have specifically shown that triggering thoughts of death tends to shift people towards the right. I feel like I might have the G-spot again. If our cultural worldviews are meant to act as a buffer against our own mortality, it stands to reason that a fear of death would cause us to hold on to them more tightly. What happens then, when those beliefs are challenged? Perhaps some of us might feel like our lives have been threatened. And what if people's actual lives are threatened by something like a pandemic? Perhaps they'll do everything they can to ensure that their beliefs survive in case they don't? If you want to learn about how TMT can be used to explain people's different reactions to the pandemic I highly recommend giving this study a read. Now imagine, if you will, a fascist nation invades your country forcing you to take up arms to defend it. 
How do you think that might affect your feelings toward your country? I'm guessing you'd concentrate on what it is you love. What it is you're willing to defend and die for. Oh hello nationalism. Now consider how a rise in Islamophobia often follows terrorist attacks. Or how a rise in hate crimes against the Asian community follows when the former fear-monger-in-chief dubs COVID the Kung Flu. Or how you binge-watch all five seasons of The Wire and decide you can't trust black people. Oh hello racism. At this point my wife would tell me to get to the point. And I would tell her that the secret to great love-making is patience. And then she would tell me that girth is more important the length. And then I would cry myself to sleep. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, let me wrap things up. I'm nearly there. Climax. TMT reminded me of one more stereotype. The idea that people become increasingly set in their ways the older they get. It occurs to me that this might have less to do with people's beliefs, than an inability to come to terms with their mortality. Not all people face death in the same manner of course. Many are happy in death. Even when suffering many remain at peace. They're not bitter or resentful. They're not consumed by hate. They don't want to hurt others. This all begs the following question, if all our beliefs are designed to help us cope with the elephant in the room, our own mortality, and if a fear of death causes us to cling to those beliefs more tightly, then maybe that's exactly where we need to start in order to live peacefully? Now here's my radical theory. If hate is driven, at its deepest darkest core, by a fear of death, I believe that coming to terms with one's mortality might be one way to resolve those feelings. The question is how? Here are a few ideas. Meditate on your own demise. Face the idea of your death head on. Talk about it. Plan your own funeral. Imagine that today is your last one alive. The Stoics used to employ a technique called negative visualization where you imagine losing what you value the most in life in order to help eradicate that fear. The idea being this serves to lessen the emotional impact when difficult losses actually take place. The other hidden benefit is that it helps to cultivate a greater amount of gratitude for those things or people in our lives today. Here's one more idea. Cultivate as much meaning in your life as you possible can. Studies show that those who feel they are living a meaningful life are, paradoxically, less afraid of death. Other studies show that those who have lower self-esteem, who believe their life isn't meaningful, are more likely to harbor feelings of resentment. That of course means resolving past traumas. That means embracing our personal inner demons as well. Something I mean to talk about in my next post. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. My answer for how to make love to hate, is to fall in love with death. Maybe if we do, we'll realize that life is too short to live for anything but love. Dash. Further reading slash sources. Terror management theory. Terror management theory and the COVID-19 pandemic. Terror management of fear, hate, political conflict, and political violence. A complete psychological analysis of Trump's support. Divided America, Here's How We Heal, YouTube video based on terror management theory understanding the psychology of hatred. Why we fear death and how to overcome it. The importance of negative visualization. You can see find more of AP2's nonsensical worldviews and poor self-help advice here at https colon slash slash clearairturbulence.com. This has been a test of the press this function. Reblogging the world's best blogs since 2021.